0: introduced the 110 Ultralight. Savage has teamed up with Proof Research once again to craft a barrel specific for a purpose-driven firearm. At around 6 pounds, the 110 Ultralight is designed to combat elevation and the elements while maintaining the performance of a factory-blueprinted Savage 110 action. The carbon-fiber-wrapped stainless steel barrel and melanite-skeletonized receiver minimize weight for success on any mountain hunt. Now I could go on and on about all the good things about this firearm, but what you need to do is go to savagearms.com. Check out the 110 Ultralight. They have it available for the 308 Win Mag, the 270 Win Mag, the 28 Nosler, the 28 Ackley Improved, the 36 Springfield, and so on and so on and so on. They got it for just about uh, any cartridge. So what you need to do, is go to savagearms.com check this rifle out it's a badass rifle savagearms.com
1: this is the average conservationist podcast brought to you in partner with two percent for conservation two percent for conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife one percent of time plus one percent of money equals two percent for conservation contractors coffee roasters and even piano repair companies have earned two percent certification and stand out as leaders in their communities businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop learn more about two percent for conservation at fishandwildlife.org that's fishandwildlife.org All right. welcome back to another episode of the Average Conservationist Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Ewing, and this is episode 19. Uh, this week we have a kind of a special episode. Um, I'm joined um, by Jared Frazier, Executive Director of 2% for Conservation. Um, he was in our very first episode of the podcast here. And <clears throat> one of the things that uh, Jared and I wanted to have a conversation about um, and let some of our listeners in on this is um, burnout and a lot of volunteers um, over the last probably uh, 14 to 16 months. Um, Jared has noticed that a lot of uh, volunteers uh, in different conservation organizations have started to hit a, a bit of a brick wall. Um, they're just getting worn out, uh, burned out, you know, exhausted, and it's not. They're not having the same enjoyment that um, that maybe they they were when when they first started donating their time. Um, so it's uh, it's something that I think is on everyone's mind that volunteers. Uh, I don't know if they're you know depending on your position if you're a little bit afraid to kind of talk about it with other you know uh, friends or or members of the organization. Um, but Jared goes into some pretty good detail um, on an article that, uh, or a blog post that 2% had posted um, about a year ago now that talks about this. And, and we thought that this was a good opportunity um, to, to revisit it uh, and talk about some ways that people can kind of overcome uh, the burnout and, and things that they can do to reignite and recharge And make sure that they're you know staying in the fight uh, in terms of conservation. So a lot of really good, um, helpful information in here, and and uh, I hope that for any of you out there that are listening that are maybe experiencing uh, a little bit of burnout that you definitely take something away from this, uh, and that uh, it helps you kind of right the ship and and, you know take a step back and reevaluate and figure out how you can. you know, redirect uh, your passion uh, for conservation. So uh, before we get into today's episode, I just want to take a minute to talk about our partners over at Stone Glacier. Uh, whether you're looking for uh, a pack or some some base layers, some mid layers, some outerwear, uh, Stone Glacier is, is going to have this stuff for you. Um, I run personally the uh, Avail 2200 uh, for the Whitetail Woods, and it is it is a dream. Uh, it carries well, it carries a lot of weight, um, for, for getting into the stand. Uh, it's comfortable, uh, for, for me, for a whitetail guy, it has really everything, um, that you could hope for. And it's been just a, an awesome pack. And you know, the quality is, is top notch as well. Um, if you're looking for a pack or any of those things that I mentioned, uh, possibly a lightweight tent, be sure to head over to their website, StoneGlacier.com. Um, and uh, you know, check out some of the stuff that they have. They also have an app that you can download uh, either on iTunes or Google Play, depending on your device. Uh, and there you can just kind of stay up to date on all the different happenings and latest product um, from Stone Glacier. Uh, I know that they're going to be uh, releasing a new bino harness uh, sometime here in the near future. Uh, so definitely looking forward to uh, getting my hands on that and, and giving that a try. So again, be sure to check them out, StoneGlacier.com. All right. Joining me on the podcast today, I have returning guest, our uh, fearless leader over at 2% for Conservation, the executive director, Jared Frazier. Jared, how's it going today?
2: Oh, I'm running around uh, like my hair's on fire, uh, getting ready to head out on a on a goat hunt this next week. Well, no, it's not this next week. It's tomorrow. Um, I've, I've been prepping and right now there's just a gear explosion all over the house and I'm supposed to leave uh this afternoon so yeah uh, otherwise it, otherwise doing great
1: well that's good I know we were talking uh a few minutes before we started recording here and and yeah the uh the gear explosion is for for any of us uh hunters out there it, it's a common thing and uh yeah I, I know exactly what you're going through
2: yeah yeah um any anytime time you plan you know for even even an overnighter there's a little kind of kerfuffle that happens in your house but uh, in this case it's it, I've gone a little overboard just because of the species the nature of where we're going um one of our team members for the hunt went in and scouted last weekend and she said that it took three hours to go one mile through all the deadfall and wow she was with a bunch of like uh olympian type mountaineers and that's how long it took them and we're going to be going with week-long heavy packs and and rifles and whatnot so um i'm trying to wrap my head around that but you know there's a lot going on so I, i think once the cell service cuts out i'll be in it but um i'm one of those folks that um does not unplug until until I'm forced to in some ways uh, with work, which which might be a little <laughs> might be a little on the nose for, for our topic today. But um, I'm I'm stoked to go.
1: Yeah, well that's good. And sometimes um, you need a little bit of a, uh, a I don't want to say a break because that's probably not the right word, but you need a little bit of uh, a recharge. Right, and I think that you know being able to to unplug for you know five or six days and, and get out into the mountains and um, yeah, not have to think about the the daily grind of uh, of work can uh, can be a good thing.
2: Yeah, uh, we were we were joking on one of our our coordinating calls because we we all live in different areas. Um, everyone going on this hunt, and we were just joking around that not reading any 2020 style headlines for five days will be phenomenal in and of itself. So we're, we're ready to get out.
1: Well, good, good. And, and, um, yeah, I don't want to give too much away because I know that you've been trying to keep people up to date with, uh, with the the hunt and everything that you're going on, but that may be uh, cause for another, episode once you get back and get kind of regrouped and we can talk about the hunt and what it was for and kind of all that went into it because it's a it's a pretty interesting story
2: it's been pretty weird and wild um just just in the month leading up to it like it 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 has been murphy's law of you know (laughs) everything that can happen will happen um so I think, yeah, probably we'll need to have some of our team members on. There's, this is one, one thing that will happen with this. It's the first time that uh, the 2% social media accounts and, and all of our phones and everything will be disconnected for a week. Uh, and we, we manage a lot of communication throughout the day. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. Um, but we've got some, some fun content uh, dropping Uh, While while we're gone and and looking forward to coming back to see how how folks respond to that. But, uh, yeah, I think I think we'll need to have probably have Calvin on probably have Jess and and, um, Sam. Um, Our team right now is is three women and two men. Uh, the three women all have names that could be dudes names though. So it's been a little confusing with, with the agency as we've been coordinating with them. Uh, but I think, I think those gals should really tell their story when, when we come out the other side, but yeah, ready to go.
1: Yeah. Well, I, uh, I look forward to that. And yeah, and definitely, uh, hearing, hearing the story from all you guys, uh, once, uh, you guys have a safe return here, you know, next week. So, the reason we wanted to have kind of this special episode today, and as we're kind of gearing into hunting season uh, for pretty much the rest of kind of the uh, the country here um, in the in the Midwest, in the East, and we wanted to talk about um, really as it pertains to conservation and donating your time is something that inevitably happens is is burnout and the toll. That it takes on, you know, every volunteer at, at some point or another, and really, Jared, we had, had spoken about this, uh, you know, maybe a month ago or so, and, and decided we want to do this uh, to to have this conversation and kind of address, you know, how you can um, minimize that, how you can uh, avoid wanting to to take a step back altogether. So first. Jared, let me ask you what is it that you're kind of seeing as a trend right now as it pertains to um volunteers for a lot of these um conservation organizations.
2: Yeah. Um so last last fall uh, a year ago this month actually. I was I was looking through um you know as as I was getting ready this last week for for uh, recording this just wanting to make sure you know I'm 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 not having a moment of deja vu. <laughs> Um, I was going through and looking at uh, when I was getting different messages from either individual 2% members or business members, uh, you know, like general managers, uh, operations managers at at, at uh, 2% businesses, the folks who manage the volunteering of time. Right. 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 Um, and it was it was the end of September is when I started getting, hey, we're thinking of maybe you know, stepping back from volunteering for, for a while, or I'm thinking of stepping down from this volunteer position, um, or in uh, some, some form of, I, I'm giving up, I need to quit. It's too much, uh, or it, 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 and different forms of too much, too much time. Um, which, which again, our requirement is 21 hours a year. Uh, so, you know, they weren't talking about that. They weren't talking about stepping back from that, but they were talking about backing out of, out of different commitments and stuff. And again, this was last September. This wasn't during lockdown. Right. This spring. It wasn't, um, it wasn't during the cancellation of all the banquet seasons and how that just ran people ragged, um, in February and may. It wasn't during the summer when, uh, the U.S. more or less just a lot of repressed issues started boiling to the surface and a lot of ugly stuff, you know, uh, either came to light or, or started to bear its fermented fruit. Um, and it, And it wasn't this fall, you know, as we have forest fires just burning up habitat all over the U.S., Canada, you know, on the western seaboard and then down in South America and and up in, in Russia, um, it wasn't those times. This was last September yeah. when nothing that we're living in right now had happened.
1: Yeah, this is when everything was on the up and up, so to speak.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, comparatively, right? yeah,
1: compared. Yeah, sure. that's a good way to put it. <laughs>
2: yeah. We weren't in a in a in a global recession. We weren't. Um, you know, we, we didn't. The, the notion of wearing a mask was, you know, am I going to am I going to wear one on my dirt bike or, or in the ground blind? Right? Right, it, it was, right. It was very, very different. And this was it was happening a lot. Um, I remember uh, calling Calvin up uh, one afternoon, our member coordinator. And just asking, hey, are you seeing a trend as well uh, with this? Because she's she's in a couple different social circles here in Bozeman. And she was like, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm hearing it from a lot of people I didn't expect to hear it from. And then she had also been hearing it from some of our members too. This general notion of I'm tired. I'm, 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 I'm over it. And then some of them actually started using the right word. You know, I'm, I'm feeling burned out. Uh, and I say right word just because it's, it's a big umbrella, right? Right. Um, it's, it's not necessarily the most exact. Uh, so we set out to try to address it kind of on a case by case and and it just kept accelerating through October, more messages through November, even more hit December. And I'm like, all right, we gotta, we gotta, (laughs) we gotta do something a little bigger here. Um, so we wrote, wrote up a blog post, uh, with some helpful tips Posted it up. I think the week we went to sheep show in January. So Australia was on fire, but that was the only 2020 ish thing going on at the time. Oh, and, and the, the southern most southern herd of caribou was about to be extirpated um, in British Columbia. Uh, they were saved, by the way, uh, which was which was pretty cool by the International Caribou Foundation. But, uh, you know, we, we, it was in January when we posted that. And to date, it is the most visited page on our website other than our homepage, right? More than our certification pages, more than our business member stuff, more than anything else, the, uh, fighting the number one enemy of volunteer time burnout little article has, has been the most shared, um, and reviewed. Um, we've, we can look at analytics and see that there are some folks who have pulled it up over a dozen times. Wow. And when we look at the IP addresses, they're in, and that might creep some folks out, folks, any, any website can do this. <laughs> 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 uh, you, you could build one this afternoon and be able to look up where your visitors are coming from. But they're in towns that have offices of conservation groups, that have offices of very conservation engaged businesses um, that overlap with, with areas that have a heavy, heavy volunteer presence. And they were being viewed and reviewed, and a lot of times, like, late at night, really, really late at night, someone's reading it. Like, three in the morning, one in the morning, Um, which means they're laying in bed, struggling. So 2020 happened, uh, you know, to the point that we are now, nine months in, and Mm -hmm. everything that's gone on that we already talked about. um, And guess what my phone starts doing again? In September. Same I get thing. the same, same thing. And this is after folks have held on. Most folks did not step down. Most folks did not back away um, to the business. Every 2% business stuck to their financial and time commitments this year, despite everything. Uh, most of our committee members, who are conservation volunteer leaders, with with you know name an organization, we probably have a committee member in it in 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 uh, the U.S. and and in parts of Canada. Um, and almost every single one of them kept their volunteer roles. A so few backed off a little bit, especially after this article came out, because it's one thing we do acknowledge if you have too many. We'll and we'll get to that if you have too many commitments. You know that might be part of it. Um, but they all held on and, and helped push, like, through fundraising season, totally changed how they were going to do fundraising. Many of them had to eat huge financial losses because of the way uh, their organization bylaws are written, which is another thing we'll get into with this, uh, predatory bylaws with chapters, Um many of them ended up footing the bill for venues that they had to cancel on and things like that so even after all that struggling last fall going into winter when it came time to step up they still did and now we're starting to see okay these folks who were dragging a year ago are starting to fall now um and or be very close to you know just dropping off the map and the the hard thing I should say the the, the, the pain point um, for us, both both Calvin and I have, have passed uh, careers, and, and actually in her case, it's still present because she's she's part-time with 2% still as our member coordinator um, in counseling. Uh, it was something I, I worked in for over a decade um, in, in various nonprofit spaces, and it's something she does presently. And we know that attached to burnout is also something... It, the burnout is usually a symptom of much, much worse things going on at the personal level and, and significant pain for folks. So one thing I, I really want to make clear um, before we get any further into this <laughs> is uh, I'm, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a mental health professional. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a volunteering and 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 um, uh, giving back professional. That's, that's, that's where, you know, my expertise lies. If, if people need help, if they are really struggling, I, we strongly, strongly suggest going at, and at least finding, you know, a professional consultation to see if there's, if there's more going on, um, depression rates in the U S while COVID has been going on and, and around the world are just through the roof. Uh, but there's wonderful, wonderful professional help out there. And if things are going on way beyond, you know, you're volunteering, if you're feeling like quitting things beyond your volunteering for conservation, we, we would strongly, strongly suggest, you know, before you move on to any of these principles, we'll go over here in this in this episode to, to go and seek professional help um, for your sake and, and for the sake of folks that love you.
1: Yeah. And, and one of the things <clears throat> and, and you made a lot of good points there that you and I had spoken about early on was, you know, the, the volunteering, uh, that a lot of these, uh, well, the volunteering that a lot of these people do, like that was something that they had looked forward to, right? This was something that they used as an escape, you know, it it got their mind off of work or, you know, just kind of the daily grind of life. And now Mm -hmm. this is one of the things where they're saying, Hey, I've got to take a step back. It's just too much. You know, for, for a lot of these people, a lot of these conservationists to, to give up one of the things that, you know, maybe as early as a year ago or six months ago gave them so much joy, right. You make a good point that there's probably a lot of other things that are, are building up and stacking up. And, you know, it's just maybe the, the volunteering, uh, their time was one, was maybe the easiest thing to let go of because again, it is, it is a volunteer type of position, right? But in you know in, in your conversations with people and um, in, in the back and forth that you had with a lot of these two uh, percent businesses and things like that, what was kind of the underlying fact or the underlying underlining item that people were kind of saying, like, "Hey, this is the reason why. Like, what what's kind of causing the burnout? Was it just trying to keep everything uh, in a row, making sure you you hit your hours, organizing the the events? I mean, what what kind of was it?
2: It, it's, I, I you know, so I <laughs> I used to work in, in data a little bit as well, um, uh, marginally for a little bit uh, when the recession hit and we all, you know, did did all the different things to pay the bills. Yeah. Uh, so I, I started charting out some of the answers because I, I, I wanted to find that, right? Because if it's one thing, then I've got a magic bullet. Right, right. And unfortunately, there wasn't. Um, it's... It's a it's a broad range of things um, and so in, in in looking at that at that range of, of issues because again we've, we've got members all over the world um, we're, we're announcing this week our, our first business member in Australia you know what they're dealing with down there uh, in speaking with with Paul and his his business uh, over a video call a couple weeks ago he's dealing with very very different, uh, issues uh, when it comes to volunteering, uh, both time and dollars, uh, than than anyone we have in the Western Hemisphere, um, and it's not just the hemisphere that makes it different. You know, it's it's regional and all this stuff. Right. And and the differences were were even different within. No, That was redundant. Um. They they varied between folks in the same town, volunteering with the same organizations. So that's why we we developed out an, an acronym, um, uh, it's called lean and I'll, and I'll go through what each letter means. Uh, but it's, it's really meant to be like a multi-symptom kind of thing. Like take the parts that will address what you are dealing with. Not all, not everyone needs to say no to too many commitments. Not, to, not everyone, you know, needs to have a positivity intake check. You know, um, it's different for every person. Because every person that's that's one thing with the two percent standard. We don't tell you where to give back or how to give back beyond that it's dollars and time. Right. The how and the and the why uh varies dramatically from every individual and every business and every employee within a business. So when we're when we're looking at it, um, you know, it 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 it's important to us to, to have correct terms, I guess. Um, so if it's all right, I'd like to, to, uh, read off, um, psychology today's definition of burnout. If yeah, that's, absolutely. That, Please. Reading on a podcast is like taking, taking thing and, uh, really abusing the metaphor a bit. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> according to psychology today, burnout is a state of emotional, mental, and often physical exhaustion brought on by prolonged or repeated stress. It is not simply a result of working long hours. And that's one thing that's key, I think. Um, it's not just a result of working too much. It's, it's the prolonged and repeated stress. The cynicism, depression, and lethargy that are characteristic of burnout most often occur when a person is not in control of how a job is carried out at work or at home or is asked to complete tasks that conflict with their sense of self. And that second half of it, it, where it happens most often where the person is not in control of how a job is carried out, whether at work or at home, or is asked to complete tasks that complete with their sense of self. If I were to peg two key issues with conservation volunteers, it would be those two things. Number one, not being in control of, of how things are done. If anyone has ever coordinated a volunteer event, you know that you're having to coordinate with agencies. You're having to coordinate with the county, or l- the local town, maybe with a parent organization that has various ideals or or you know um, objectives that they want that go beyond just you know you showing up to do a good thing, um, or they they're being asked to do things that as it says, uh, conflict with their sense of self, that conflict with who they really are. And, and we're starting to see more of that, too, especially as politics have become more polarized and as organizations, conservation organizations, have unfortunately decided we're going to get real aggressive about picking sides. We're seeing a lot of burnout come from that, uh, where someone's now having to stand up for an organization that might be spending quite a bit of their mental, social, financial and time equity on conflict. Um, so that, you know, looking at that baseline, if anyone's like listening to this and going, Oh crap, <laughs> um, <laughs> you found the right podcast. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you, you touch on a couple of things there. That I thought that kind of was a, a bit of a light bulb moment, right? When you said uh, dealing with a lot of things that they don't have control over or, you know, doing something that was, uh, or being asked to do something that was against what they believed in. Um, and the, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there when you said that there was, a, there's a lot of organizations out there that are politically picking aside and, really kind of, you know, full steam ahead in terms of what their um organization believes in politically. And I can see where that would be very taxing on an individual, especially let's say you're a board member, you know, if 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 you're just a a member of the organization, I think that's one thing and and it's it's much easier for you to kind of Keep your opinion to yourself and kind of be in the background and say, you know, like I, I support their mission, but maybe I don't support, you know, what they believe in politically. And and that's fine. And I think every organization out there is, is going to have people on both sides of the row. And and rightfully so, because, you know, everyone that hunts or fishes or does whatever is not a they're not all Republican or they're not all Democrat. You know, there's you know how it goes. I mean, that's that's kind of a rabbit hole there. But when you're in a position, um, as let's say, a board member or a committee member, uh, anywhere where you're kind of a, an outward voice for the organization, whether it's locally, nationally, whatever the case is, and now you have to start defending, you know, what your organization says, you know, whether they're on the right or the left, and if you are the opposite, it, it, I can see it becoming very taxing, and especially the way that social media has really changed in my opinion over the last you know four to seven years and how much like hate and just vile negativity there is out there it for for me and i i post zero uh things on social media that are political religious whatever it is i just i don't ever want to talk about that with anyone and to, that, that's all that you see anymore. And it's just, it's exhausting. I don't like going on social media other than what I have to do for, for work and for uh, the average considerations for the company. And it's if people have to deal with that on a daily basis and it, and they're doing it from a volunteer standpoint, that's where I can see people just kind of throwing their hands up and saying, I'm done, I don't wanna do this, it's not worth my time. I know we're doing this for a good cause, but it's not worth what they're getting back in in negativity from other people
2: yeah yeah and that uh, that that drops right into um the first letter in the acronym lean uh i'm i'm not i'm not a big uh self-help guy <laughs> not 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 naturally like I, I do not own i don't think i own a single self-help book even if i've been given them, you know. People know I like I I like to read every night. And so I get I get books for Christmas and stuff. But uh, self-help books usually find their way to goodwill. (laughs) Um, uh, This acronym is is more meant to give you a tool chest, uh, uh, like a a little quick self-diagnostic. And the first one in lean is look on the bright side. And and again, I'm not into like the whole positivity Silicon Valley mindfulness doctrine of, you know, get this app to repeat positive things to yourself. I'm not into that. I know it works for some people. I am not one of those people. And I found a lot of our conservation volunteers are also not any of those people. But having a, 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 a negative mindset where you're angry, where you've got stuff making you angry on the regular or making you sad. On the regular, first off, you can become chemically dependent on that. This is very well documented, um, and, and the algorithms on social media are absolutely built to make you chemically dependent on it. Um, and and the the catharsis of of rage and of despair. And you know, I I, I've, I okay, I'll just get a little personal here. On Facebook, I removed all my friends this year, including my grandmas. <laughs> I, I, I removed everybody. I have zero friends on Facebook. And lordy, lordy, did people freak out. But the fact was is if if I looked at one friend's post, there was usually two or three people on there just being vile. Yeah. I, and I, all age groups – Uh, though there's a certain age group that tends to be meaner than others on Facebook because they haven't learned about Reddit yet where the young people will hang out and the moment they do, the world will end. But uh, (laughs) there, it it was just awful. I would log on and it was brutal. Uh, I still have an account because, you know, we we need to have the 2% page up there for now. Uh, We may pull it off of there someday. if, If anyone starts to troll us, we're, I'm not going to waste time hitting the delete ban button like a lot of people literally pay employees to do. Some organizations, that is like the one thing their interns are constantly on the task of is dealing with bad morons on Facebook yeah. who just want, want to job. rabble raps. Yeah, and, and it shouldn't be a job.
1: No, you're <laughs> like, absolutely right.
2: It, it, let's, let's think about it this way. Um, when social media first started up, it was kind of like discovering a new food court where you could meet your friends and there were all different types of foods you could go and have and it was exciting and you'd hang out with your friends there and then you made the mistake of going home and telling your mom about it so now she and her friends go there too and that's fine except that one crazy friend of hers started showing up the one she normally doesn't talk to well now she's always there too and now your crazy uncle has showed up And then the food court decides, hey, let's sell ads to businesses in here. So they interrupt your meal halfway. I mean, the whole situation, any normal person would leave the food court. But the thing is, all the food is laced with crack. So you're (laughs) addicted. And you keep going back in there. And your crazy uncle, who you normally only see at Thanksgiving, is in there every day yelling at you. Uh, You know, but – there's a crack in the food, so you keep coming back,
1: and you're hooked. That's, you're hooked.
2: You're hooked, and then you you find these rooms where people just pick on other people or pick apart their careers. This this is one thing that that we got into in the blog post a little bit. There are I, when when I was dealing with a couple volunteers who were. Really, really. I mean, they were they were starting to back out of a lot of commitments with with different groups. I noticed they didn't reach out to me. I just noticed they were posting that they were backing out. I did a little creeping because I was concerned, which that doesn't make it sound any less creepy. Nope. Um, <laughs> nope. Nope. That actually makes it worse. Um, I, I just went to go look. Are they following this troll page? Are they following this outdoor industry meme page? There are a set. And folks listening who are on these pages or who know of these pages know exactly what kind of content I'm talking about, where these trolls just have accounts. And they've got like big industry names following them. Um, Probably every person listening to this has friends who are following these accounts. I'm not going to name them because I think they're crap. Um, They just tear people apart they just make fun of businesses. Uh, they just, um, you know, spend their time ripping on other people. And if you're a conservation volunteer, I promise you it is making you do a worse job at what you're doing. And I promise you it is making you less effective as a leader and as someone that people want to follow if you're engaging in those pages. The moment you wade into the comment section, you have lost your platform. You, you have just gone, as Sun Tzu would say, you have wandered into the marshes with the enemy. It is, it is bad for both of you. Um, you are not a capable force. And there are folks who are so addicted to the fight that they think they will convince someone of the truth in the comment section. If that were the case, I don't think our world would look the way it does right now. Um, and I, I, I think folks would be getting along a lot better. But the fact is, is when you wade into there, there are no consequences. Right. The worst thing that's going to happen is the page is going to ban you for a little bit, or your adversary for a little bit, but they'll eventually let you back in. The algorithm will also feed you more of that stuff the, the social media algorithms are built around engagement. And if, if there was one thing we saw in 2020 thus far, it's that, that drive for engagement and I'm using big air quotes, uh, engagement really just means conflict. Um, that big drive for conflict to get people engaging in the comments section, going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It makes money for some folks, but it ain't you. Right. It's not your organization. It's not the wildlife or the, you know, the, the habitats that you care about. And if you're in there fighting trolls instead of going out and doing the work, you're being ineffective. And I have watched volunteer after volunteer, chapter coordinator after chapter coordinator, board member after board member, employee after employee of conservation groups and businesses that support them go absolutely down the toilet by engaging on social media in the, in the negative spaces. Um, and it, and it can be anything from having Epic FOMO, you know, fear of missing out, um, following hashtags and, and different organizations just wishing, wishing, wishing. You could go to like sheep show or something like that, or ICAST or some great event seeing them drop into depression when, you know, when they see everyone else having this supposedly wonderful, wonderful time. Um, which, by the way, at, at at shows like Sheep Show, it is a wonderful time. <laughs> uh, it'll be different this year, but uh, you know that engaging in that, hoping to, you know, hoping to find some fulfillment, is very very hollow, and it and it keeps you from doing the work that has to be done.
1: Yeah, and you know, I wonder how people how they feel after having an engagement like that right i mean you, you go back and forth with someone on there and you're both just saying incredibly rude and degrading and you know, just awful things things you would never ever say to someone's face like how do you feel about that when when you close your computer when you turn you know when you put your phone down i mean does that negativity just carry over into their home life into their job i mean it's you know it's just a, a such a terrible cycle of negativity.
2: Yeah, one one place we see it carry over is into competitiveness between organizations.
1: Okay,
2: uh, these these fights online I have seen unravel into presidents and CEOs of conservation groups getting into fights online together. And, and then getting, you know, now they have competing campaigns when they should be working together. Um, you see it turn into where they're spending uh, exorbitant amounts of money to compete with other orgs. Um, and and it starts there. Um, in contrast, so, so we're, we're saying all the things like, hey, don't do this, don't do this. A more powerful thing is here's what you should do. Um, in contrast, the folks who I observe who are the most successful in their missions do the most for wildlife. And and ultimately that should be the goal. Like, are you actually, are you actually getting the damn work done? Um, the ones who are most successful in it, they do a couple things. Number one, they cap their social media. Uh, engagement, whether that means, you know, turning off comments uh, or not engaging with negative comments, just hitting the delete ban. Some folks have to have, you know, these huge follower accounts um, by nature of their work. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with running organizations or chapters. You know, you're, you're going to end up dealing with chuckleheads online. That's just that's just a reality. Uh, but the ones who are real liberal with the use of the delete ban button instead of uh, wading into the marshes. Um, they're, they tend to be way, way, way more on mission and way, way, way more effective. And their, their mission is less in question, uh, than those who sit there and think that they can go back and forth, back and forth. Um, they're the ones who have not been convinced by social media mavens that they must engage in the comment section. Those folks make money telling you to do that. Um, there's, there's no metrics that prove that it's actually good for your mission. So the folks, the folks that do that, um, they tend to be really, really effective and have longevity. The other, other one is, is a bit more challenging, especially this year, especially as folks are real angry all over the place. Um, and, and folks want to claim as many wins as possible, more than I've ever seen in nearly 20 years of working in the outdoors. Um, this one is, is challenging. Uh, it's, it's, it's telling other people good job and congratulating them. Uh, and that, that means if you're a, a chapter leader for an organization and another organization in your area does something good using your platform to uplift them, using your accounts, using your email database, using your website to say, Look what these folks did. Isn't that amazing? We applaud them. Yeah. The most effective leaders that we have within our membership do that. The least effective ones are the ones who are the most competitive between each other. The organizations that I have to do cleanup work after their volunteers and paid staff on the regular, and by cleanup work, I mean trying to fix their relationships with businesses that are wanting to give them money and free platforms. The ones who are the problem children uh, are the ones who are the most competitive against the others. And they're the ones that tend to have the highest turnover rate, both in volunteers and employees. They're the ones that have scandal around them where people are wondering where their money is coming from or going. That competitiveness, um, and this, this goes for business members as well. If there's that heavy, heavy drive of look at us and what we do versus look at this need, come and help us tackle it. Look at this need. Look how these other folks tackled it. Those folks who are riding the competitive train, it's, it's ultimately a cancer within conservation and it, there's no space for it in the future. Yeah. And yes. You might own the headlines for a bit but you're not getting the work done.
1: Yeah. And that's ultimately what these organizations are for is to get the work done. And, you know, you, had, we had talked about it on the the first podcast that we recorded and we've talked about it offline numerous times as well, but that conservation is not a competition because, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're interested in elk habitat, public land access, sheep, goats, caribou pheasants forever trout on the whatever it is right you're all after the same thing a betterment of the species betterment of the habitat population control disease control or you know learning as much as you can about diseases that may be affecting that that particular animal why on earth would i want to would one organization say oh we're better than you guys when you're trying to help people. You're not trying to. You run a race. You're not trying to throw a ball the furthest. You know, shoot a bow the best, a gun the best, or whatever the case. You're trying to help a species that we all love and care about. So, what? I, I just. I sometimes. I. It, to me, it seems so obvious and so simple that I don't understand how people don't, or how they look at it and say, "Oh, we've got to be better than an organization X or organization Y." at doing this specific thing and it's to me that's crazy
2: yeah so my my first interaction with just just to give like a a story to like a a real life story to go to go with it my first interaction in the in the hunting space with this just toxic and that word's overused i know but I, i mean this is like literally poisoning from the inside poisoning goodwill poisoning social equity you know the interest of the general public first time i interacted with that that kind of just awful competitiveness it was about four years ago i was at sheep show uh wild sheep foundation's annual event and it was the day that that montana bighorn tag went for over four hundred thousand dollars it was that night which for me i had never seen that much move money move that fast <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> at a at a thing and and the beauty of it you know way over 80 percent going directly on the ground you know it's it's just uh, the end I, I was reading the year prior's annual report and you know as, as someone who had been in outdoor stuff for so long i was just like salivating at like this money is gonna do so much good and i happened to be there volunteering with a different organization that i won't name because this is uh, it, it's rough um and initially it was gonna be just me and one of their staff members there. Well, it turned out that a bunch of their leadership showed up, uh, cause they heard how much money was being moved and that it was a target rich environment for finding some donors, which uh, the Sheep Foundation's always been gracious about, having affiliates there to have opportunities to go after money to do good work. Right. Uh, gave, gave us a free booth and everything, and I'm, I'm volunteering running their booth. We're in the room when that big big sheep tag goats and this guy spends almost a half million dollars to go on a hunt and it's all going to my state sheep program which is like phenomenal so I'm like man that was cool huh to one of these employees and it happened to be an employee that handles a lot of the major donations for this group and they responded back Yeah, these guys wish they were us In a few years, they're going to be trying to copy us as best they can. Uh, They all are old and stuff. He had nothing positive to say. He was pretty proud about their position. And it it left a bad taste in my mouth um, for a bunch of reasons. But one of them came from having a history before working in the conservation space, um, working in leadership training with churches And one of the biggest signs that there is something amok in any nonprofit, whether it be a church, conservation group, a humanities group, a kids group, um, whatever it may be, one of the biggest signs that there's something wrong going on and that things are about to get a lot worse is when someone cannot acknowledge the successes or how they would benefit from the six, when they don't have a big enough worldview or mind to understand how that could be good for their mission too. Um, Those dollars from that tag ended up going to help pay for a lot of things that that organization also cares about that they didn't have to fundraise about. But what they were most concerned about was market share. And sure enough, four years later, they. Uh, I wasted so much time in the last year cleaning up after them and trying to help their volunteers not quit and telling them to stick with them. Um, it, it should have been no surprise. So this this goes into into uh, the second letter in the lean acronym of engaging more than one group. E stands for engage more than one group Uh our most successful committee members are most successful business members as well. The ones that have the most positive outlook for continuing to give back are not the ones who only give back to one or two groups or who are married at the hip to one or two conservation groups or causes, but the ones who have a fairly diverse portfolio of groups that they care about. So you mentioned like, you know, the, the, the ducks unlimited, the trout unlimited, the Elk Foundation, Sheep Foundation, go to, you know, have, having an, an array of voices coming in on what's going on in the conservation world, and having an array of where you can put your efforts, is so so critical to personal well-being as a volunteer. Just like with uh, financial portfolios, we we have, we have a couple of committee members who work uh, their their day jobs are in finance. And they're talking about the way the market is right now. It's it's just wildly volatile, right? Um, they're talking. I asked them, you know, on the, you know, what they're recommending, and they're saying, you know, the ones who have the had the most diverse portfolios rolling into what we're now dealing with this year are the ones who are doing quite well. Some of them are actually making money and seriously uh, during this. The same goes for your personal well being with volunteering. There are some. Unfortunately, some smaller organizations or newer organizations that are demanding exclusivity of their chapter leaders. You know, if you serve as a chapter leader with us, you can't be on a board with any of these other groups. Um, it's no surprise that their chapter leaders are dropping like flies, um, typically with one or two year turnover and then those folks hating that cause later. Um, but as a volunteer listening to this, if that's demanded of you, I would avoid it as, as best you can. If it's, if it's demanded of you that you not volunteer with groups that have similar, um, similar missions, you know, like if, if, if you're in a, in a state that has like mule deer foundation and muley fanatic foundation, you know, like, like we kind of have here, um, and you're not allowed to volunteer with both or you're being, you know, cut up for volunteering with both. And I, just to be clear, those are not two orgs that I deal with problems with on that front. They're, they tend to hold things with a very open hand when it comes to their volunteers. Um, or, you know, you're a, you're a Delta Waterfowl guy and a Ducks Unlimited guy at the same time. Like, you tend to have a more balanced mindset. You tend to also bring more to the table when it's time to show up to volunteer at a public meeting uh, or, or at a, at a, a project. Um, so if, if it's being demanded of you, uh, that that you only be with that one group, you're actually not part of a conservation group. You're part of a cult, <laughs> and I would avoid the hell out of that. Having gone down that road, um, it is a time drain. It is an emotional drain. If you ha- if you're married or have a significant other, that organization's going to start coming after that relationship too. And I want to be real clear to folks listening to this who are like, holy cow, the conservation world sounds scary. It's only, it's only a couple bad eggs acting this way right now. Um, And it's only been exacerbated by everything going on this year. But in general, again, looking at things you should do, if I'm going to be a member of one group, I should be a member of two or three, you know, or a half dozen groups. One of our board members, Drew Youngdike, wrote up, uh, an article last year for us. It's also in the blog um, or a, a separate blog post uh, about how to choose an organization. And he lists off like two dozen orgs he's involved with. And this guy's a paid employee at National Wildlife Federation. Um, and a bunch of these orgs are not affiliates of the National Wildlife Federation. Some of them, you know, are not necessarily simpatico uh, with them, but he believes in what they do. And having that diversity of places to give back to gives you option when you're strapped, when you still want to give back to so go to go to your point that you, you mentioned earlier um, that we talked about a while back of, of how how folks the giving back is the thing they look forward to. It's the thing that they love um, when you have a diverse set of options that that opportunity to recharge, refuel, or like we like to say, recharge, refuel, and reload, you know, get back in the fight. Um, when you have a diverse set of options, you are able to stay on mission for conservation. Uh, if you, if, And again, if it's being demanded of you that you be on mission for an organization, like you, you're not on mission. You're in a cult. So get you know not not in the proper religious sense but you're in something that is demanding of you what is not something but when you have that diverse set of groups where you bought a $35 membership, you know, once every couple months you buy a $35 membership to this group or that group or this group or that group follow them and get their emails start talking to the other chapter leaders in those groups you are going to find a wonderful network of support through that so that you're not just drinking from one well that might be tainted
1: yeah and that's that's a really good piece of advice and i i just want to touch on something real quick you mentioned um drew uh young Dyke, who is a he's a committee member or excuse me he's a board member, board member. correct yep. and yeah drew uh obviously is from my state of michigan here and he mm-hmm. just You know, I I follow him on social media, Facebook and things like that. And just the open mindedness that he has and the work and just the passion that someone like Drew has for um, conservation in general is it's it's a it's a breath of fresh air. It's it's great to see. And it's it's really what I wish more people would kind of strive to be or strive to have that same kind of open mindedness and outlook in the world of conservation and hunting and fishing because yeah, I've never seen, you know, a negative thing come out of his mouth. Now he may disagree with people, but he's very, you know, respectful and polite and open, you know, open to what someone else's point of view is without having to, you know, cut them down or, you know, chop them off at the knees and say, Nope, you're wrong. You know, you're an idiot because you don't agree with me, you know, and that's, there needs to be more people like Drew out there. And I just, I just wanted to kind of throw that in there real quick.
2: Yeah, we we were thrilled to, to have him come on our board because it, it's very rare anymore with with the consolidation that has happened um, with, you know, politicizing of a couple organizations and, you know, the drawing of battle lines and stuff. in, in some spaces, specifically in the hunting world, much less in the angling um, now, the coastal anglers are like, wait a second. Uh, there, there are places where it gets pretty rough there too um, but uh, in 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 this whole kind of new space of the last five years um, where competitiveness has crept in uh, not crept in marched in uh, loudly and boldly um, it's it's a special thing so we, we were super intentional in, in in building out our board. With folks like that, two percent is purple for a reason. Uh, it is meant to be a big, wide net, you know, for any or, or umbrella for folks to come into a net to catch causes for people to connect to. Um, and that does not happen with competition. And, and I, I think the thing that that sets folks like Drew apart is he is focused on his why. That that is thing number three. Always focus on your why in Lean. The A is always focus on your why, and he absolutely is. Uh, we did a couple recordings together, um, you know, and we and we talk pretty regularly with him being a board member and and me seeking counsel on different national level issues and 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 whatnot. And to your point, the stuff that comes up. Are the opportunities, not the problems. Um, And I want to clarify that's not like the you know bring bring me solutions, not problems, you know that that thing. It's not that. It's opportunities, things, work that needs to be done, not work that needs to be done to make any organization look good, make any any celebrity at an organization or that supports an organization look good. None of that stuff. No, what what what's needed. Oh, Asian carp are doing what okay how do we tackle that CWD has spread to where we need to tackle that Uh, this species is being extirpated from this place we need to tackle that all this habitats burned up and now the the wildlife has moved on to private land how do we help the private landowners going on with it? it it's it's focused on the why and and tackling those things when I was starting to speak with folks, especially last October, not so much the September or November crowds, which I think was a little indicative of when hunting season dates start and when angling, uh, peak angling seasons kind of die down. Um, And I'm saying that intentionally because anyone who knows to fish in the fall, you are my people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Tough it out. Uh, It'll be worth it um any it, what what i was finding was the folks who were calling were like i just don't know what i'm doing anymore i just i don't i don't get why i'm doing this i i bought a life membership and i don't get why i even care about this anymore which might seem crazy right like you you have a chapter leader or a board member for an organization and they don't know why you know at, but at some point they signed up it's like a marriage almost like their wedding day, they were stoked. They were posting all the photos and stuff. No one wants to look at your photos, by the way, of, of, of your gender reveal parties or your engagement <laughs> photos. Like that that never, engagement photo shoot, that was never a thing before Instagram. Um, but like when people sign up for their, their memberships and become board members, it's the same level of zeal and excitement and personal pride in this you know, momentous accomplishment. And then two years later, I'm getting a call from them going, I don't know why I'm involved with this. And they've lost track of the why. Why did you first get involved? What was the problem that you saw? What was the challenge you saw that you could maybe help tackle? And unfortunately we get focused on where we got lost along the way. And I think, I think those are the first two things we, we really kind of you know uh, went over uh, there with the L and the E. Um, but the why portion is extremely personal. Uh, when you and I first spoke, we we talked about you know the the having kids and how that just kind of put our interest in conservation on steroids
1: a yep. bit. yep, absolutely. Um,
2: you know uh, and and how there were there were these tie-ins from our childhoods and stuff, but um, that, that that's where it started uh, and and how showing up to help with different projects just like got us addicted, right? And I think folks listening to this, you can probably think of a time, uh, if if you've been volunteering with your time, you can probably think of a moment, a project, an event that is still special to you in your memory. Um, I I look back on a couple of of mine with my kids and then personally, my first mountain goat survey uh, with the Goat Alliance, climbing up into the mountains, you know, gagging and wheezing in the, in the August smoke, throwing up on the side of the trail because dad's fat, um, you know. <laughs> like, uh, and, but I remember sitting there and seeing a goat. You know, I had seen goats before in national parks and stuff, but this time I was there with purpose, and I'm writing it down in the spreadsheet, and I'm like, I am sciencing. And, and like, there's these just beautiful moments um, going, looking back at, at my son's first fence pole. I end up buying a life membership with the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation a week later. Uh, the, those folks are masters at gateway drugging folks into giving them money. Uh, they have you come... <laughs> And like run away from rattlesnakes while you're doing a fence pole. And a week later, they tend to do their fundraisers. And it's the same folks who are still sunburned and dealing with blisters from being out there all day. We're like, shut up and take my money. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> the, the moment was so special. Uh, if you can think back to that, that's your why. What you were doing, that's your why. And if you have stumbled into managing the comment section on social media, dealing with internal politics at organizations, you're off the path. You're, you're off, you're, you're not on mission for your why, you're on mission for someone else at that point. So we, we had a, a couple little, um, uh, that in, in the religious world you'd say come to Jesus, this might be more like come to Roosevelt or come to Attenborough. <laughs> <moments. I don't laughs> come <know>. to
1: Roosevelt <laughs> moment, I like that.
2: Um, it's yeah it's different for everybody sure Uh, (laughs) uh, of okay so you're a board you've been a board member with this organization for one or two years uh, some of them five years some of them ten years uh, and all you're doing now is putting out fires and not the literal kind uh, hopefully not some of them uh, on the west coast they are Um, but they're 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 managing people problems and not wildlife and conservation problems. And we had some talks uh, on the regular of not hey this is why you should get out of that group, but hey let's try pivoting things this way. Let's try fixing things. Before you bail, before you leave this group that has meant so much to you, before you leave this cause that you have helped build, some of these folks took chapters of organizations or organizations from from like a a less than a hundred members into the tens of thousands and and now they're like they're done they're really done um and not just over it but actively hate the group that they helped build Um, we're, we're talking about how do you recenter and for some folks it means bowing out for a little bit letting someone take over the bad environment that you inadvertently helped build not and again mostly most folks don't do any of these things that we said don't do you're not thinking about doing it intentionally there are some malicious folks who who do you know they make money there's money to be made off of conflict funds can be raised off of conflict and there are some groups that act of absolutely actively go for that and they're usually the ones that you see these 10,000 follower spikes come out of because the algorithms love the hell out of it um, but the 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 habitat the wildlife they suffer under it so we worked with a few of them to step out for a little bit maybe step out of a leadership role here but pick up another one so.
1: When you, say, if, real quick, Mark, when you say another one, do you mean another organization, uh, a leadership role in another organization?
2: Uh, in some cases, yes. Um, in some cases, another role within the same organization. Okay. Uh, where they are not, and, and that's what we ultimately aim for. We don't want to pull anyone out of something unless it's truly bad, and we let them decide. Uh, to be very clear, like when we're on the phone with folks and they're expressing problems, I'm not sitting there writing down the dirt that they're giving me <laughs> um, or, you know, going, all right, this is how we're going to screw over the group that you're mad at. None of that. We actively try to keep them engaged in that group, but maybe pivot how, because the how should change, but the why tends to be for life. Um, doesn't mean it has to be for life. People go through seasons, obviously, but... If you are, uh, you know, a few of the conversations I'm stuttering here because I'm trying to choose what to share Um, (laughs) and reeling reeling back in, um, you know, for privacy for some of these folks. There were some who who were ready to go like polar opposite. Um, Someone who, you know, is teaching hunters that now is feeling like maybe hunting shouldn't exist at all.
1: Oh, wow, yeah, uh, that, is a, that is a 180.
2: Yeah. Um, like within a month of having taught a class. Um, and when we broke it down, it wasn't hunting that they felt like should exist. It was some of the really bad things that are in our present hunting culture and our past hunting culture, and that was really where the rub was, um, not, not the use of hunting as a conservation tool um, or, or as a activity, but they were fed up. And this was, this was more than one individual. And some of these folks have, again, we're talking follower counts on, on, online in the tens of thousands, um, or board member positions at hunting conservation groups. And I I mean, national or international board positions, and they're feeling this way. Going back, That goes back to what kind of media are you taking in? You might feel like that meme site that makes fun of different people in your industry is cool because it's not pointed at you, but you are poisoning yourself. And and to a person, that kind of stuff was going on with these folks who were looking at these huge pivots. So when we addressed that, we said, let's not tackle the why, because frankly, that kind of stuff does not change that fast normally it can you know a death in the family can really change someone's outlook on a lot of things Uh, a move across the country you know these big life events can have can cause these paradigm shifts that slide people into utterly different ethos of being right it's like redundant there in the greek but um that can happen but in these cases that certainly wasn't the case it was obvious to see what it was it was as as the dilbert comic would say The problem's not the data. The problem's the people. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, instead of going off your why and losing a huge part of who you are and what brings you joy, let's pivot the how. How you engage. Maybe you step out of your leadership role for a little bit. Let other people sin eat and let you just show up and pick up trash in the woods and feel good about it or go out and do uh, uh, an, a population survey um, maybe not being the person obviously we don't have a lot of events going on right now but a, a lot of these folks were the ones having to run the fundraising booths and and having to be as, as you said earlier you know they're in a titled role and they're, they're outward facing within an organization and just dealing with a lot of vitriol let's move them off of that and let's let them do something good and and let them feel good again So if that's something you're dealing with, I would I would very strongly suggest don't don't go to your board to have a discussion about it, go to your friends, and have a discussion.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Like,
2: ask, am I okay? Do you think I'm okay? You know, start there and then go to your board. But start close and move out.
1: Yeah, because it's it's kind of like you touched on there. It's you, you join an organization for a reason and for what they stand for what their mission is as an organization. And just because you don't like the way that maybe they're necessarily going about it from a inner workings standpoint, hopefully the 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 mission or the the objective of the organization isn't changing in to the point where you you know you say to yourself this isn't what I signed up for, right? I mean, if that may be the case with what they're asking you to do like you know you didn't sign up for this like this isn't how you want to support you know whatever the organization is or whatever their mission is but as long as they stick to what brought you in then yeah i think like you mentioned pivoting and focusing on something else within the organization is 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 a great way to stay involved and take a step back and and kind of recharge
2: yeah yeah it's so again, sharing a personal experience, I was, I've had, I've had the privilege to be, and, and I'm presently on, you know, a couple different boards for organizations, and there was this one in particular where there was someone who just waded through the filth of the mis- misdirection, uh, the the misalignment of mission and stuff we would have these fundraising events that we were expected to do like once a month. We were supposed to be putting on these events in different communities. And I would drive across the state on my own dime four hours, six hours to go and stand in a booth, give a little talk, you know. um, And I I started to slip into that role, mainly because I I really saw the work that was being done and believed in it. Uh, But there was this one board member who refused and would not drive across the state, would not do an event once a month in their area. Just like, nope, nope, I'm here for one purpose. And you know what? That, that board member is still one of the happiest people <laughs> um, I, I, I still get to work with, uh, from time to time get to partner with. And it, it leads to the last letter in in the acronym LEAN, which is the word no, the, the, the letters N, but the word is no. Having the capacity to say no. If if I could pick, you know, I've mentioned a couple things that were like key things we looked for and you know or or noticed or observed um, in folks dealing with burnout or folks avoiding burnout very very well. For the folks who avoid burnout, the best. I have never heard a peep from on it they're the ones who I hear no from the most (laughs) when when we put out an ask saying are there people who can help this organization or that cause or show up at this event to support these folks no Um, they never end up uh, quoting Bilbo Baggins of I feel thin, sort of stretched like butter scraped over too much bread, you know, from the Lord of the Rings. They're never expressing that sentiment because they learned to say that almighty word no. Um, And it does not make you a failure as a conservationist, as a volunteer, as a board member, as a committee member, as a leader. The inability to say no will lead you to being a failure as a leader. Yeah, because when, it, when you are accepting of everything, you will become far less capable at your key objectives.
1: In, in your opinion, are the people who are constantly saying yes to things, I think, or, or do you think that when they first start off from a volunteering standpoint and they're asked if they can help here or help there with this org, with that org, and they start saying yes, it's, I would imagine it is because they want to um, you know, show their commitment, you know, especially if they're new. But then as time goes on and the more that they say yes, the more they feel obligated to say yes as time goes on because they haven't said no at any point and now they almost think, Well, I can't start saying no now, I never have before. I mean, do you think do you think that that's how a lot of it works with people? Uh
2: with a with the subset of people most interested in maybe making conservation a career. I would say it's definitely okay. something that see, um, it's something I personally struggled with. I knew, I knew my marriage would not survive my volunteering. <laughs> <laughs> I was. So when I took, when I took, uh, the, the job here at 2%, which started out part time, um, you know, cause we had only five business members, uh, at the time. Um, and if folks are familiar with how we uh, bring in income, it's only through business member dues and a license plate we have in the state of Montana. Um, that's not, not super scalable right away. So I was still volunteering with other groups. I felt like I could do that. Uh, and when, when I was first asked to apply for the position, um, the person who asked me to do it said hey could you just write down you know i think something that might help you get the role is if you wrote down how much you're volunteering which by the way you should probably back off on those things whether or not you get the job
0: <laughs> i was like oh yeah
2: whatever well, i calculated it it was 6 hours a day if you were to spread it out across the year and i and i mean 7 days a week 6 hours a day i was up till all hours in the morning Because I was serving on multiple organization boards, whether it was of chapters, or or state or national boards. I was on many. Uh, And and the reason was, was I felt, and I think we talked about this in the first episode of this podcast ever, kind of like my why for getting into conservation, which is something you talk about with every guest that comes on. It's my favorite thing to listen to. Uh, it's favorite part of my conversation when we're talking to a business, asking them why they're interested in getting involved with giving back to conservation. Uh, mine comes from like I, an ideal of, I've got one shot and I'm going to do, I, I am going to make the biggest damn cannonball in the pool as I can with the shot I've got. Um, so you take that mindset. And this this goes especially for folks who are entrepreneur. Uh, if you've got that gene, I'm sorry. Um, if 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 you're someone who is always seeing challenges that can be fixed, I'm I'm sorry. Um, if you're the kind of person <laughs> like me where you've got enough hubris to think you might be the one who can fix it, I am very sorry. Um, you're your come to Roosevelt or, or, or Attenborough or Goodall moment is not going to feel good. <laughs> I promise you that. Um, it, it's, it, it can be addicting uh, because with or without public recognition, you know what you've done. Some of the folks who are hurting the most and giving back way more than they should are not the folks who talk about it. In fact, if folks are talking about it a lot, they have too much time on their hands, they should put that time into giving back more. (laughs) Um, I can usually tell a business uh, that's wanting to get certified for marketing reasons if they're literally paying someone to talk about how much they give back to conservation. Yeah, That's it usually, or or if the person handling their conservation partnerships work in in the marketing department, I can usually tell where they have more bandwidth to be giving back. But uh, on the individual level, where I see folks running the highest risk of burning out in the not saying no enough category, it's usually the folks who don't talk about it, who are, who are personally giving back a ton, and that's be, it's it's the most um, nefarious, uh, and I mean that in the sneaky sense, um, form of burnout to come upon you is when you are secretly giving way more than folks know and and where you are doing it for your own you know we talked talked about how this is something that people do to feel good if you are giving back as a coping mechanism i'm going to go back to the you need to go and find some help um i it's something uh, my my line of work with with counseling when i was doing that uh you know 15 years ago um that was one symptom I was particularly trained to help find. We would I was trained to go to rural communities and find different nonprofit leaders, uh, often in churches or in kids after school programs who were secretly going bankrupt, taking out second mortgages on their homes to pay for other people. And what it really was, was depression. So, When I, when I am talking to someone who is getting tired, if they are that type of person where they are not posting on social media every day about how they're giving back, when they are not, you know, regularly hopping on every outdoor podcast to talk about how they're giving back, um, when they're the kind of person who I know is sitting on six different boards and where I see random 500, 100 thousand dollar donations that are tagged anonymous. And I know that that person saw that the need for that org was just posted and I'm fairly certain it's them. I'm on the phone with them Um, because it's a sneaky, sneaky thing. And I've, and I've found now this is, I hit the three year mark for running 2% at the beginning of this month. Um, Now three years in, it is something that I am seeing, all over, all over the world. Honestly, with our members, um, it is a high percentage of our members that privately give back, and give back in a way that is almost dangerous. So uh, I, I would look at saying no to running things that other people can do. If, if I have to start walking back from the cliff, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm going to give my personal story with this. Um, my walking back from the cliff on, on finding my own mental health or, or using giving back as, as, a, as a coping mechanism for my own struggles, the first places I started walking back from were the things that you could literally train a monkey to do. Um, and if you're doing this stuff, you know what those things are, but I'll go through them from the easiest to the most difficult, easiest to back away from is fundraising events. Uh, You you could put a child and a puppy at a booth and the jar will be filled with money at the end. It's, (laughs) it does not take wild and crazy skills. I know what it's like to sign up your first life member uh, for a conservation group. It is thrilling. It is addicting. But if you are dealing with burnout, you are taking a break from that. You are needing to say, no, go find the puppy, go find the little kid, and those life memberships will still roll in. Um, it, it's I know it's hard to hear, um, but you don't have to do it. The next one, and these two I would maybe swap um, now thinking about it, membership drives. If the organization you're with, and, and I say this now, uh, let's, what is it, 10 months after writing this blog about this uh, and just watching just that much more closely as more and more folks reach out saying I'm hurt." Um, The orgs pushing membership driving. They're off mission. They just are. If you can't put a pin on a map or, you know, uh, uh, get like Charlie Day and Always Sunny in Philadelphia, you know, and have all the all the yarn strung up to all the all the spots of where your organization is actually doing stuff, not where you have members, but doing stuff not having members who comment on social media, but doing stuff, showing up at public meetings, showing up and and calling representatives, going out and doing the work in the field. If you are just driving membership numbers up, or if the organization that you are volunteering with is constantly harping on you, where are your member numbers? Where are your member numbers? That is a sign that that apple that you are chewing into, uh, that is that organization, has a damn worm at the core and you need to back out. So if you are being pushed to fundraise, if you are being pushed to member drive aggressively, where they are threatening to find a replacement for you, if you're not doing it on the weekly or monthly basis, back out of those things, find the trained monkey, they can do it. Um, it, and that's not to degrade folks who do that. I don't, there are the needs that like chapter coordinators, that's their job, right? To, to have an influence in an area. I'm not saying that that does not have value, but when that is all that you are focused on as an individual, you have lost your why, unless your why is rallying people. And if that's the case, you best have a really, really good group of support around you, because the first thing you find in rallying people Is that conflict and that competition that's gonna come from folks who are scared that you're gobbling up their space? The other thing, the next thing I would look at is if your organization is requiring weekly meetings, weekly calls, um, it's like you have a second job at that point and it's gonna be pulling from you. And there are some groups that unfortunately still require this. And it comes from a place of fear of losing their people. They think that by having more points of contact, with their leadership, uh, with their volunteer leaders, that they will keep them better when the reality is is they're running a bragging. So if you're being asked to hit meetings all the time, even monthlies, uh, I would say in in our present world right now, asking someone to hop on a Zoom call, oh, for the love, we need to be done with those. Um, But (laughs) asking them to hop on once a month is a lot right now. So if you are that volunteer being asked to do that, I would, I would say, what are the number that you need me to hit? So this year this year I joined, um, I had I put a, a moratorium on being on any boards uh, for the first two years of, of running 2%. You know, was, uh, I wanted to see how I could handle the job, my board wanted to see how I could handle the job, so I stepped down from virtually all leadership roles uh, with other groups uh, to just really focus. Right. Um, and so this year I, I stepped on to a couple again, and I chose them in part because they had very clear cut expectations on communications engagement. There was not, Hey, you're going to be sitting on Slack or Basecamp every day and you have to answer messages within the hour. Or we're going to find a replacement for you. It wasn't that which I have been a part of, and many of our committee members unfortunately still deal with. Um, there wasn't a hey once a month. We have a four-hour-long call. You know, make sure your schedule works around it. Um, it was uh, like with one of them. Uh, there's one every month, and you just have to make half of them. You know, you have to make half of them over the course of the year. Um, with a couple others, there's there's a meeting every quarter. You would have to be doing a ton of work, and I mean real work, on the ground, in legislatures, to require a once-a-month meeting. Any more than that in your org building, you're not mission-fulfilling. So that's another thing I would look out for. And, and going back to the you know, stepping out of leadership roles, most folks only have the capacity to be on one or two boards or in leadership positions in general, a, a local regional leader of some sort when you really look at like how all the studies on what it takes to be an effective leader, you have to be able to dedicate a certain amount of time or you are tapped out. You don't actually have a finger on the pulse. Right. Um, And for most folks, that means at most you can probably only be in one or two leadership roles. I would recommend this year with everything we're all having to do on top of what we normally have to do, especially folks with kids, uh, I, I'd recommend paring down to one. And and I mean that, just one. One leadership role. There are some of us who are in unique positions where we can be on multiple, and there are some who do have a unique capacity, um, but I'm gonna tell you, it's probably not you. You know, and <laughs> listener, I don't mean you, Marcus. I, 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 Everyone wants to, you know, everyone wants to be that exception. They want to be special. Like, no, no, I'm the person who only needs three hours of sleep at night. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying you're the one in a thousand. It's weird. All of my friends are that one in a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it. it you are exceptional, okay? We're all we're all very special, but it's probably not you. Yeah, just ask your mom. Um, She'll tell
1: you you're exceptional.
2: Yeah. If you need that and, and if your mom's gone, someone else's mom will probably tell yeah. you. It's not going to be on mom on Facebook cuz that mom on Facebook's going to yell at you. But, you know, you go to the grocery store, find a kindly person and they'll tell you you're special. Uh, but you're not the person you're not going to be that effective. Someone else who only has one leadership position will probably do a better job than you. This is one of the hardest things I was ever told. I was really young, uh, first off, for the roles I was in. Um, And this is one thing that you often find with folks who are burning out. They are often kind of young for the role. And it's not that they're young for the role. It's that they think they can take on a bunch and haven't been hurt yet. Um, but I was in my early 20s, and I had just signed on to my fifth board. Ooh. First off, there's some real problems with some orgs that bring on, you know, someone who's already committed to a couple other boards. Yeah. Who's in their overall, much less in their early 20s, when your brain hasn't finished developing yet. Um, and no offense to the folks in your early 20s, you are phenomenal. We need your energy. Just focus it, please. Don't try to be a fart in a spacesuit and be everywhere because you end up being nowhere. Uh, but I was told that metaphor of, dude, you're a fart in a spacesuit. You think you're everywhere, but you're really confined. You're really not actually doing that much. And you could do so much better at one or two things, but spreading yourself out like this trying to be some version of some superhuman volunteer that does not actually exist. And this is pre-social media, mind you. Uh, I mean, MySpace existed, but we weren't talking about that on there. No. (laughs) (laughs) Not
1: if I recall.
2: No, no, and we don't need to go into what we were all talking about on there. But it, it, it it, it was still the same thing as today and with much less pressure. And it was hard to hear. It was like, well, screw you too, buddy. Yeah. Um, but it was true. So if that's you, and it was a couple of our volunteer leaders, a couple of our committee members, I I called them up and said, How you doing? Because I noticed I hadn't heard from them. But their social media was like, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. I'm like, All right, you are clearly throwing up signs of distress. Let's have a phone call. Um, and sure enough, how many boards are you on? Seven. Okay, <clears throat> so that needs to stop. So that's another thing. That's further down the line, you know. First off, you know, don't, don't get out of the board positions you're in. Start with the, you know, member drives, the fundraisers, the weekly meetings, you know, the, the, that nagging expectation on you. That, that going back to that definition of burnout from, from the psychology website of, you know, not being in control. Deal with those things. Uh, but then realize, once, once you get into some of these other things, like how many leadership positions you're in, um, that's on you as an individual uh, or as a business. If you're giving to too many organizations and you're suffering as a business, it's time to reel back so that you don't lose your employees. You don't lose, you know, your income and your, your ability to give back another day there were some businesses of ours this year that called up and said i I don't think we're going to be able to stay certified and it was similar to the folks who were going to do that big big pivot from being like a hunter's education instructor to i think i'm going to quit hunting forever it was not the thing itself it was not the giving back itself it was the how and the culture within that they were part of And when we spoke with those businesses, uh, we looked at everything they were doing and some of them were saying, I'm having a hard time just getting my orders out on time. And I've got all these organizations calling and calling and calling and asking for help. And this, this was especially going on during the banquet season. So with a few of them, we helped them pivot. We helped them pivot, not where they were giving necessarily, but how. Changed up their mechanisms in their giving. And with some of our committee members, like I said, some of them, we, we said, hey, you probably need to step out of a couple board positions. We won't tell you which ones. Go back to your why. And I want to be very, very clear. Like, I've, I've named a couple, like, things going on in various organizations, but at no point have we ever said, step out of that organization. We've always said, go back to your why and just wrap yourself up like a little kid in a sleeping bag in that why and, and discard everything else. Um, we did that with the business members and committee members. And I'm happy to say, when I was checking in with a bunch of them leading up to recording this, I wanted to see how some of them were doing. Some of the ones who had really taken on some of these right. Principles, you know, the, uh, each, each of the parts, the ones that, that were applicable to them. I wanted to see how they were doing. And there were a few that were still, you know, could not give up the social media thing. Those folks in particular are the ones still sitting on the edge of quitting. Um, like to the person, uh, every single one of them that's still sitting on the edge of quitting are still wildly engaged in really, really unhealthy things on social media that they, I, I, I think, are truly addicted to. And that goes for some of the business members as well that also manage their business social media accounts. Um, and there were two that refused to step down from some board positions at all, uh, but they did scale back. And I think the scaling back has kind of kept them off the edge. Uh, Having all the events canceled probably helped. (laughs) Because as as I look at folks who burn out as volunteers, it's it's those driving expectations for dollars and members uh, that seem to really, you know, put people in the turnover wheel. Um, But overall, overall, the folks who did these things, they're standing strong and tall right now. Uh, a few of them who were getting ready to quit actually took higher roles within a couple of organizations. A couple of them were hired by the organizations that they were within and are now helping change from the inside some of these really unhelpful things that had started to creep in that, that were focused off of the organization's why and back on the organization. So there, there's been some really positive stuff over the last 10 months with this. Um, that said, though, we're doing this podcast for a reason. It's showing up with other people now. And it's showing up with people I never thought I'd see it from. So I hope, I hope it's helpful for folks. You know, looking at, you know, looking on the bright side of things. Don't, not the toxic positivity, mindfulness, Silicon Valley culture again, but the, you know, making sure that what you intake, the media you intake is both diverse and kind and warm and positive and helpful. um, If you tackle that in 2020, if you can make that big change, I promise you your personal life is going to improve, not just your volunteering life. Uh, If you are engaging, going back to the diversity thing, engaging with more than one group. If you are a hunter, start following some non hunting ecosystem environment um, habitat, local land trust, folks who work in the things around hunting. I'm not saying go and follow PETA cause you know, we've, we've got a stance about them just like they have a stance about us. Um, but you know, diversify where you're getting your input. I, I, I was meeting with a person, uh, yesterday, uh, they, they, they stopped, it was one of our committee members. They stopped by our house here. Um, we were talking through a bunch of different stuff and, uh, it's, it was, it was apparent that over the last year, um, they've, they've gone through some massive paradigm shifts personally, you know, where their whole worldview changed a couple times. And I asked, you know, what, what have you been doing? Cause I noticed you're engaging with this group and this group and this group and this this might be a little um this is not to dissuade folks from listening to this podcast because this and i mean the average conservationist podcast because what is shared on this is positive every time yeah uh, and should be inspiring and has been inspiring for me every time uh so what i'm about to say don't take it that way he said he quit listening to outdoor podcasts this guy's in outdoor leadership um he said he also quit watching outdoor shows Uh, for the summer and started listening to history and art and music and poetry and uh, things, things about ecology, you know, more so, more so than hunting, which is his passion. Um, And there was a light in his eyes that was not there seven months ago. Uh, I personally, my media intake. First off, um, I, I said I got rid of all my follow, you know, friends on Facebook. Mm-hmm. On Instagram, I keep it to 406 followers because you know Montana area code 406. There you go. Uh, I cycle, if, if I ever get a chucklehead, you know they're gone, um, and I, I throw someone else in there, um, you know as, as a follower, um, and I follow less than that. I only follow things that interest me personally. But one bit of advice I was given by someone who's actually, I'm not gonna out them, they're very high profile in outdoor media. They they do not follow hardly anyone in outdoor media except for the folks doing conservation work. And I mean doing conservation work, not getting into fights online, but like actually going out doing projects. Um, and their advice to me was, hey, those other things, have that be your media outtake and, or intake and let it flow into your work. Uh, folks ask how, like, you know, 2% ends up with these rare, hair brained ideas um, where we start random projects. That, you know, it, when it happens, folks are like, well, where did that come from? Uh, odds are, uh, Calvin and I were listening, she was probably listening to a true crime podcast. <laughs> and, and i was listening uh to one on the history of world war ii and i saw a cultural prevalence it was similar to what she saw and so we just you know we both came to the same place at the same time but from two wildly different sources if you are eating at the same trough that everyone else is you're not going to bring anything new to the table so i would encourage folks if you were into punk in the 80s go pick up that sex pistols album and give it a listen you know like (laughs) get some some diversity in your intake and make sure the damn stuff is positive or or if it is negative at least know that the source has vetted it narrow narrow the breadth of your of, of where stuff is coming from refine your diet and 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 you know eat your veggies so to speak and you will be amazed what starts coming out of you Uh, And starts coming through you into your work. So, and and that goes again back to engage more than one group. When you are engaging more than one group, you are able to remember your why more uh, quickly. Uh, When requests are made of you, when those last two, you know, always remember your why and, and saying no. When it comes to those two things, if you're engaging more than one group, if you're following more than one group, if you're getting input from more than one group, it is much, much, much easier to look on the bright side and to stay stay engaged in your why and not get off track because you are not getting tunnel vision. So, uh, again, it's look on the bright side, engage more than one group, always remember your why and say no uh, and if you can do those things, if you can do even one of those, if you can tackle one of them at a time, I, I think you'll see a measurable impact in your personal life and in your output for wildlife conservation.
1: Yeah, and I, <clears throat> I could not agree more because there's you, just these little changes have such a, an immense effect on just your overall well-being. I mean, you can look at, at uh, this acronym of LEAN and apply that to anything that you do in life. Right, and you know whatever the case is, and and you are going to see a positive, um, a a change for the positive in whatever the case is, and and in, in this particular instance with volunteering and, and conservation, I can absolutely see how these would have a, an immediate impact on your overall well being and your productivity at home, at work, uh, volunteer, you know, in the organization you're volunteering with. So this is this was a really really good to listen to. And I hope that, you know, people that, that get a chance to listen to this, that, um, if, if they're in a tough spot, if they're feeling, you know, burned out, that this kind of gives them some hope. It gives them some things to, to look at, to, to evaluate within themselves on how they can make some changes and, you know, write the ship uh, I guess, or, or recharge the batteries, and and make sure that what they're doing is is for the right reasons, and they're not losing sight of, you know, why they they started volunteering in the first place.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the the volunteering of time. The reason the reason why we're so concerned about it is once it goes, the the volunteering of dollars go too. Yeah. Um, so if you're if you're an employee of a conservation group, and I'm going to get get a little grumpy here, Um, or I guess firm. If you have turnover in your volunteers, your problem is you, more than likely. And I mean your staff, your leadership. If you have turnover in your staff, you got a real problem because people – (laughs) we were talking about like how social media is crack working for a nonprofit is too. It's, it's sucky pay. Usually. Um, it's, uh, you know, long hours, lots of people not being happy with you, you know, but people get wildly addicted to it. So if they're quitting you, oh Lordy have you screwed up. Right. Um, you know, if that's happening on the regular. And so I got, I got a note after we did this blog post, um, it was, it was in early February, um, and I was I was actually fighting COVID at the time, so I, I had to have my wife read it uh, because I thought I, it was a fever burning me up. It, it had been sent um, by a member of ours. They sent it to all the staff members at an organization and said, this is why I'm quitting you, which... That's a little aggressive. Yeah. Um, First, um, looks like there might have been some anger, you know, Uh, but real talk here, org to org, 2% has often been called the conservation group for conservation groups. We work tirelessly. And I I mean, I was sitting at my computer till 11 o'clock last night working. And that's pretty normal. You know, start the day at 6.00 get done nearly at midnight quite often Uh, because we're in startup phase. We can't with our funding mechanism, we can't afford to hire more people. That's that's just the the fact of the matter. Um, And a big part of my time is cleaning up after groups, burning their people out. So if you work for an organization that is having turnover, it's time to look in the mirror and it's time to get back on your why and you know who you are. You absolutely know who you are uh, because uh, <laughs> you, you're fighting with this all the time and you're angry and you're frustrated and you're you're uh, really, really, really feeling the pinch of 2020. Um, you're having a hard time keeping your donors. You're having a hard time keeping your volunteers. You are constantly dealing with negative press and Again, I'm not referring to one org. There are a couple in the hunting space in particular that have gotten this way over the last couple of years. You need to fix things or you're gonna lose everything. And maybe it does mean that you have a worm at the core of your apple and maybe they gotta go. Uh, Back when I used to do business coaching, we would look at businesses that for all intents and purposes should be thriving, just blowing up, dominating their markets. Or maybe they had and then all of a sudden were floundering. More often than not, it came down to what we call the sacred cow, which is something you're not allowed to touch. It poops everywhere and it eats everything. If You, you know who that is in your organization. They came in maybe on good intentions or a good recommendation, but now they are causing people to throw you, the baby, out with the bathwater. It's time to clean up. We cannot afford in the present culture to have organizations operating that way if we are going to succeed as a whole in the things that we have to succeed in in the coming decades. So I would do that introspection and I would ask I mean, not just so I don't have to work so damn late at night (laughs) cleaning up after you, but please, if you're on the board of an organization dealing with this stuff all the time, dealing with negative press all the time clean house, get back on mission, take the hit of admitting that you went off track for a bit, get us back on the rails, get your volunteers back, get your social equity back, get the love of business and individual members. We have family foundations who pivoted massive amounts of dollars away to other groups because they were fed up with some of these folks. Clean up before you lose and before the mission gets thrown out with you. That would be my one hard talk thing at the end of this. But otherwise, for individuals, volunteers, businesses, stay the course, take some of these things to heart. I hope you can tackle one or two of them over the coming months. Even if it's just one of the letters, just making little changes. I hope that you find it helpful, you get back on track, and that you get to see your why lived out to where you can put pins on the map for where you've made a positive impact with like future generations I hope that for you
1: yeah and I think that that kind of summarizes and, and ties a bow nicely on on really everything that we that we talked about um, here because there's there's this this movement of conservation again like we haven't seen in some time and there's you know a small percentage of People who are, you know, putting their blood, sweat and tears into whatever organization it may be. And we don't want to lose those people for the future because they're the ones that that keep things moving in the right direction, that keep new people um, positive and and keep them, you know, coming back and and keep the retention high for, for that organization. And so we need to do all that we can to make sure that we're holding on to those people for our sake now and for the future as well.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause when you lose a person, you don't just lose them. You lose their whole network. Yep. You lose all, all the businesses and individuals tied to them. And as to reiterate, our, our mission at 2% is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by giving time and dollars back to fish and wildlife conservation. That alliance only exists as long as it's strong. And if, if it's you individually who are suffering, let's fix the suffering. If it's an organization that has gotten sick, let's remove the tumor, move on and and continue on. Um, and, and if' it's, if it's a business that is really struggling internally with internal culture of how do we keep this as part of what we do? People are getting tired, burned out, fed up, frustrated of all the drama, this, that, or whatever, it's time to pivot. You know, it's it's time to look at look at other means. There are tens of thousands of causes to give back to. Many of them are in your own backyard and you probably don't even know they exist. Oh. Uh, your, your, your local land trust or rod and gun club or 4-H or Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, uh, Big Brother, Big Sister, they all have these ways for you to get involved that are not gonna have the wild and crazy drama that the outdoor celebrity situation has going on right now. And I'm gonna remind y'all, the outdoor industry is, you know, we like to talk about how big we are when we have to go and lobby and stuff, but the hunting world is really tiny. So don't get wrapped up, like in the broad scheme of things. It is so, so tiny. Like the biggest hunting companies are so small compared to even like medium to small size backpacking. Companies. Right. So do not get wrapped up. Do not get wrapped up in the drama. Step out of it. Do not get wrapped up in the pain. Step out of it. Do not get wrapped up in the expectations. Step out of it for a moment. Re, re, you know, Recharge, refresh, reload, and get back in the fight.
1: There you go. That's a, a perfect kind of way to, to end things because that's... It's leaving things on a positive note and giving, you know, everyone out there a little bit of hope if they're uh, if they're kind of down on conservation or, or volunteering right now. So,
2: yeah, there's no reason to be no reason to be down. The opportunities abound, um, and and really, it just it just requires taking a step back. And I and I hope folks have the chops to do that. And and if folks want to. We are available. I just, you know, talk about how, how much time we take, um, you know, every day. But we do talk to individuals and business members all the time about these things, and and we can help you, kind of pick and choose. We won't again, we won't tell you what to give up, but we will help you redirect onto your why and give you some emotional, and professional support on that front. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave you all there. Which uh, is, you, you know, you can do that via our website, via social media. Um, fishandwildlife.org. You can Google us. We're easy to find and we will get back to you. It might take a day or two, uh, just bandwidth wise right now, but um, we will get back to you. We want to stay, see you staying in the fight for wildlife.
1: Yeah. Well, Jared, I really appreciate you taking some time to, to hop on today and have this important conversation because, you know, it's uh it's something that's out there and that it, uh, it needs to be addressed. And um, I hope that even if it's just a small fraction of of our listeners out there that uh, they make a change that, um, you know, then this, this episode and this conversation was, was, was worth it.
2: Anything to move the needle for conservation.
1: Absolutely. All right. Well, best of luck on uh, your upcoming, your upcoming hunt there and uh, look forward to talking to you soon, Jared. Thank you much. All right. Take care. All right. uh, Thank you to Jared Frazier for taking some time to talk about, um, you know, burnout and conservation and and all the ways that we can uh, help reverse that trend. Uh, If you're interested in learning more about 2% for conservation, be sure and visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And there you can see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation uh, that you should support when you're shopping for your gear. Uh, I encourage you all to follow 2% on social media where it's going to be nothing but very positive conservation-driven content coming out of their uh, social media feeds Uh, So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2%, you can look for them online on their social medias or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Hope you enjoyed uh, this week's episode. I know it was a little bit of a change of pace. So uh, remember, stay safe out there and conservation starts with you.